Thank you, man. Well, good evening, everybody. I hope you had a great day. I did. Um, I got my uh, radiator in my car fixed, and so it was a good day. They were able to do it in one day, actually, a half a day, which um, is a blessing, I'm telling you right now, in Savannah. And so I know that um, that was an answer to my prayers, and, and I'm, I'm grateful that uh, I was able to get it done um, today. So thank you so much for being here tonight. And how many of you were here last night? Raise your hand. And the fact that you came back is a blessing, and I want to tell you how much I appreciate it. I really, really do. I, I see some of my folks from Baxley, Georgia here, some other ones besides the ones who came last night. I can't believe it. Calvin and Jeannie and Ken and Marcia. Y'all mind if I call their names? I'm sorry. Gary and Debbie. Yeah. Gary and Debbie. Susan and Chris. Is that, who is that? Is that Kathy? Who is that? Ed and Kathy. The Morris clan is here. What a blessing. This is my family right here and have been for many, many years. And so um, I'm blessed to be with them and thank God for the privilege of sharing uh, in these services with all of you as well because this is a part of what it means to be in the family of God. No matter where we go, uh, we are God's family and I'm thankful for that. So uh, tonight I'm going to share with you a little bit around the passage that that Jim read about Bartimaeus and uh, Jericho. But you know what? You're going you're gonna to see something really pretty fascinating. It just struck me when I, I looked up and saw all these people here. Now listen to this. Watch this. Including your pastor. How many in the room here tonight have been in Jericho with me before? Real, literal Jericho. Isn't that something? Uh We've been eight, I've been eight times to Jericho, and this is one of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth. But many of these who are here tonight um, can testify that what an incredible place uh, the city of Jericho is. The oldest city on the face of the earth, and the person we're going to talk about tonight, that was where he lived. That was where he lived. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor one more time and stand up. I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word together. So I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer, if you would. By the way, I told the people last night, and if you weren't here, um, I dearly love your pastor and his wife and family. I'm telling you right now, uh, Jim served on staff with me at Isle of Hope, and this man is such a gifted servant of God. I'm telling you right now, he is an unbelievable blessing. And I know that many of you who have got to know him and Amanda and their family know what a blessing he is. That's a good place for an amen, somebody. I mean, he loves God. Um, His cars, he's right, uh, left a lot to be desired, but he is a person, has never left anything to be desired. He is just a wonderful, wonderful man of God and a great servant of the Lord. And I'm thankful for him. I really am so thankful for him. So, I'm going to ask you to pray with me so God, by His Spirit, would speak to us in some way tonight um, and that my words would not just be words, but that God would say something to us that would make an impact on us. So would you pray? Father, we're here tonight because You have invited us. You said, let the gathering of the people be unto the Lord. And so we come into this place mindful of our need, 
but also so very, very desirous that you would speak to our hearts in such a way that we would leave completely filled with the Spirit of God. We don't want to be the same. When we leave this place, we don't want to be the same. We want to be different. We want our families to be different, our marriage to be different, our community to be different. We want our church to be different. But I know, God, that before that can happen, I have to be different. And only you, only you can change me. So change my heart, God, and change my mind. Fill me with your spirit that I might share your gospel, your word, that it may find a lodging in the heart of someone tonight and that all of us would leave this place different. And we'll give you all the praise for whatever you do, God, because you alone are worthy. And for that, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I've got a little bit of a sinus thing going on, so you all have to excuse me just a little bit tonight. I appreciate it very, very much. There's two things that are fearful to us as human beings. Two thoughts that kind of uh, create a problem for us as, as members of the human family. The first is this, that everything seems to be changing. That everything changes. And that's frightening for some people, that everything changes. Um, and when we look around, we know that that's true. I'm rereading a book that I had from many years ago by Russell Kirk called Enemies of Permanent Things. And I really encourage you to read that book. Uh, he, he was someone that Carl F.H. Henry, uh, the great theologian, respected. And so anybody that Carl Henry respected is a, someone all of us should respect. But in his book, in Russell Kirk's book, Enemies of Permanent Things, he puts, I think, the situation that our world is in right now in perspective, he says this, quote, The fountains of the great deep seem to be broken up in our time. Institutions that have endured for millennium are awash. And the surly question that is before us is whether the whole fabric of civilization can survive the present rate of economic and social alteration. Now this was written over 30 years ago. It's not written right now. I want you to think about that. The question before us is whether the whole fabric of civilization can survive the present rate of economic and social alteration. Everything seems to be changing right now, doesn't it? I mean, even things, institutions and things that we'd never dreamed would ever change seem to be undergoing such unbelievable change and, and such a rate right now that we wonder whether we are in uh, Kansas anymore, as Dorothy would say. I don't think we are. I think something's happening. And that's a little bit frightening to think about the fact that things are changing. And that's one of the big fears that some of us have. Maybe, maybe some of you. Maybe you see something changing in your family or something changing in your circumstance or changing in, in uh, your life. Maybe it's your health or maybe it's some other area. But you see things changing and it's a little bit scary sometimes. The other side of that, the flip side of it is what I want to talk about tonight. I'm not going to talk about that part of it because that's obvious that change like that is scary. 
I want to talk about the other thing that scares you and me, or should, and that is that nothing will ever change. Because a lot of the people that I deal with day in and day out, that's where they're living. That nothing has ever changed. It seems like everything is the same. It all, it's all the same from day to day. And there seems to be nothing really changing. And it's all, all just the same. Every day runs into the next day. And the reason why I say that is because I've had to counsel with and deal with couples who, who it's the same thing for them all the time. As one of them grows weary of that, that there's nothing ever going to change. You told me you were going to change. I thought you said you were going to change. And you made all these promises about change. Nothing is changing. Nothing's happening. And uh, this not only happens between couples and families, but it happens with parents and children. Children sometimes look to us to be the leaders of change in our home or in our family, uh, in our community. But we don't change. Nothing ever changes. It's always the same. And so tonight, for a few minutes, I want to talk to you from this scripture about something that I think is important. And that is that maybe it's time for some of us to get out of the box that we are in. Okay? To get out of the box that we're in. And I actually asked Pastor Jim to help me with this. So I've I've got a box. And I want to use this as an illustration for you tonight to show you how sometimes we can just get stuck in a box. And it, I'm not just talking about one area of our life because there's many areas that we get stuck in, um, in a box. And the man that we're talking about tonight, Bartimaeus, was a man who was stuck. He was stuck in a place outside of Jericho. He was stuck in a way of life that become so familiar to him It was more than just blindness. I mean, he was blind. That's what the Scripture says. He couldn't see. Literally, physically, he couldn't see. But it's more than that. The blindness that he had experienced and he was going through is representative all throughout the Scripture of our inability to see something that God wants from us or wants to do in us and with us and through us. But for some reason, we just don't have the capacity to be able to see beyond where we are. Churches are like that. People are like that. Families are like that. They just can't see beyond where they are. And so for Bartimaeus, I want you to imagine him in a box like this, okay? Just stuck in a box. Now, it says that he has a cloak, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. The cloak was something that a beggar used in order to, uh, it's kind of like something you wrap around them. And they still do this in India, by the way. They'll wrap a, they sit on it. They lay on it. They sleep on it. It's the thing that, that really is the source of security for their life. And uh, when it comes time to take up an offering, somebody's passing by, they will turn their cloak up and you toss your coin inside of their cloak. It was representative of their life, their total security, everything about them. And so this man, I want you to imagine this box as the place where his whole life was centered right here. I don't think that he had the capacity. I know he couldn't literally see beyond the box. And many are like that, perhaps in the house tonight. Maybe, you, maybe you're stuck somewhere in your life, maybe in your spiritual life, maybe in your marriage or in your family or in your church, and you just can't see beyond where you are. It happens in every, almost every phase of our life. In fact... I'm gonna use. I'm gonna take off my wedding ring. Don't tell Cindy I did this, but I'm gonna drop it. Oh, I'm gonna drop it in the box. 
Because sometimes our marriages can get stuck in a box. I talk to couples all the time that are like that. I'm going to throw my wedding ring in the box right there. Just stuck. Just stuck and it seems impossible to get very far beyond where I am. I just can't, I can't see how we can solve the problem that we're dealing with or going through or the issue that seems to be taking over almost every conversation. I thought that we had settled that, but all of a sudden all of the stuff that I thought that we had settled back there seems to be dragging up into another conversation that we have. I thought we talked about that. I thought we settled that. I thought that was all over with. But now here we are again, fighting about the same thing over and over again. <clears throat> Maybe that doesn't happen to people in Glenville, but in Savannah, Georgia, where I live, I'm telling you right now, there's people like that. You know what? Sometimes not just our marriage, but... um. Sometimes um, sometimes our, our devotional life, how about that? I'll just I'll put this in there. We used to read the Bible regularly, used to study, used to enjoy it. As a matter of fact, every t- every, I used to get up and read a section of Scripture or, or find out what God had to say to me, but it's in the box too, and I feel stuck. I just feel stuck. So my devotional life... Uh, is in the box there. Maybe my, I, don't, I can't find a hymn book, but if I had a hymn book, um, yeah, I'd get one down here. My song, I, don't, I see people raise their hands and praise the Lord, but now all I do is I just sing. You know what? I mean, all I do is just, it, the words don't mean a thing in the world to me. I just sing them because the preacher said it's on page number three, 238. But I don't feel anything anymore, you know? So my song and my worship is what? Stuck in a box, that's right. There's a lot of things that are like that. And every day, Bartimaeus would come out to the side of the road, spread out his cloak, and there, all of his life was represented right there in that one spot. Just like that. And... uh, One of the things I thought about, you know, because Jericho, there was another man in Jericho, you know it? What was the other man in Jericho that we are introduced to in the Scriptures? He, who? Zacchaeus, that's right. How many of y'all remember Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. But you know what? He was a wee little man with a big box. (laughs) Because he had a whole lot more than Bartimaeus had, right? And some, uh, sometimes we say, wait a minute, preacher, what are you talking about? I, my box is a whole lot bigger than that one right there, okay? All right, well, I'll give you that. Then you've got a big box. How about that? But you're still stuck in your box. Whether it's little or whether it's big, we get stuck sometimes right where we are. Whether it's in a big house or a little house, whether it's in a, um, a, a big family or a little family, We get stuck sometimes. Big church, little church. Can I get an amen? Sometimes we just get stuck in the place where we where we are and we just can't see. We're blind. We can't see beyond that place because we cannot imagine. Or maybe we do imagine, but we don't know how to get from here to there. And that's exactly what the problem was with Bartimaeus. He could not imagine how he could get from here to there. Or anywhere for that matter. 
He could hear real good, but he couldn't see very well. He couldn't see very well. And sometimes, whether we got a big box or a little box, we get stuck right where we are. And it's hard to imagine ourselves anyplace else. But you know what? Let me tell you something. I don't believe God is stuck in a box at all. In fact, they tried to do that to him. I don't know if you knew that or not, but they did try to put him in a box one time. Well, more than one time they tried to put him in a box. But God does not fit in boxes very well. Did you know that, brother? They tried. But God has never, even even in the thinking of the people of, of Jesus' day, they tried to put him in a box, and every time they did it, he broke out. And they got mad at him. I'm telling you, they accused him of everything under the sun. Even said that he was crazy. Did you know that? Y'all, how many of y'all know that even Jesus' own family thought that he had lost his mind? Did y'all know that? Even his own family came to get him one day and said, he's, he's, he's lost his mind. He's out of his mind. And Jesus, I've always appreciated this about Jesus. Jesus always... What he said was, I'm not out of my mind, I'm out of your mind. Because your mind wants to keep me boxed in. That's because that's how you live. But that's not what God plans for us at all. Because you know what? That's the reason why I appreciate David, because he helps me look a little bit beyond the box. He said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and creation is just a display for his handiwork. There is no way that you can contain God. No way. And God is so anxious to bust you out of the box that He doesn't... I'm telling you, He'll do anything to get you out of it. He'll shake your box. He will. He'll rattle your cage. Because He doesn't want us to live under the limitations that either we put on ourselves or someone else will put on us. Now what about Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus. Son of Timaeus, right, Pastor Jim? And not only does it say his name, because in Mark's gospel, there are very few people who are healed that we have their name. But we have his name. And the reason we have his name is, I think, because God is trying to show us something through this passage of Scripture that is really, really powerful. Bar Timaeus. In fact, it says Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, which is almost like repeating the same thing, isn't it, Pastor Jim? And yes, in Mark's gospel, Aramaic is a way of explaining something because sometimes Mark will give us a word and then he'll explain what that word means in Aramaic. But this is more than that. To say that he is Bar, the son of Timaeus, well, who is Timaeus? Didn't they have some funny names in Jericho? Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus and who was Timaeus? Well, Timaeus was Bartimaeus's father. The word Timaeus has a couple of different meanings depending on who you study script. I mean, uh, theologically or whatever. One, it says it means the son of honor. Timaeus means a man of honor. Now, if that's true, I want you to think about it. I'm not saying it is, but there are, I could pull out some um, Bible scholars who would argue that point and say he was 
His father was an honorable man in the community. An honorable man. If that's true, why is this man begging out on the side of the street, stuck in a little box like he is? Why is he? Maybe he had fallen out with his family. Maybe he embarrassed them. That happens all the time. I see it all the time in churches. I see, it, I see people get stuck in a place in their life because they can't get past something that has happened or for whatever reason. Um, if, if, if Timaeus was really an honorable man in the city of Jericho and his son is out there begging on the side of the road, um, even though he was blind, there's something wrong with that. I mean, there's something wrong with that. I, I don't know any other way to say it. There's something wrong with that picture. Um, Maybe they had a fallen out. People do that all the time in families, except in Glenville, and I know that. But in Savannah, they have fallen outs in Savannah. I mean, they really do. People fall out with each other all the time in Savannah. I, you know, uh, uh, Galileo was a great astronomer, and he had a contemporary named uh, Cesar Cesarini. Cremonini, I'm sorry, Cesar Cremonini. And Cesar Cremonini was a, one, a, a tremendous mathematician and uh, philosopher and astronomer. But he did not believe that there were mountains on the moon because he said it's a spherical uh, uh, object in the sky and there cannot be mountains on the moon. Well, Galileo came around and he invented what? a telescope and he said he discovered guess what there's mountains on the moon so his friend he wanted him to come and look through the telescope and see the mountains on the moon that he had discovered and you know what happened Cremonini refused to look he said there are no mountains on the moon and I don't care what you say he spent 21 years of his life refusing to look through a telescope to see the mountains on the moon and therefore he thought perhaps in his mind, that he was hurting uh, uh, Galileo by not looking through his telescope. But do you know what he was doing? He was robbing his own self by staying stuck in a box and refusing to do something that would have opened up the whole heavens to him because of his own pride. And I'm telling you, I've seen pride rob people of so many things till it's unbelievable. And they get stuck in one place like this because they just will not get past the pride that has kept them there. And sometimes that pride means being restored in a relationship with somebody that you have fallen out with. Sometimes it means forgiving somebody like Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. Then come make your offering to God. Sometimes people get stuck in a place. And if Timaeus was an honorable man in Jericho and his son is begging out on the side of the street because they had some kind of whatever. There's something wrong with that picture. Right? There's something wrong with that picture. Maybe maybe it's the other side and some theologians say that no, it doesn't mean uh, honorable. It means... um, shameful or wicked or whatever son of a wicked person son of a bad person even if it's that we can get stuck sometimes in a place because we 
heap shame on ourselves, or we let somebody else heap shame on us and we get stuck in a place, in a box, because we can't see ourselves beyond where we are, because nobody else can see us beyond where we are. And we surround ourselves with people who, who somehow are willing to help keep us in a box just by the way that they view us or talk about us. Um, I don't know how it is. I, I've known families over the years, and somebody will, uh, they may have a big family, and somebody will break out and do really well for themselves. Maybe go off to college, go off and do this, and become something, and this and that. And some of the other family, they'll make them feel bad about it. Who do you think you are? They'll talk about them at family reunions. Oh, here comes Big Shot down from Atlanta. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. And shame sometimes or guilt will make people just stay stuck right where they just can't get past whatever it is that's this, um, this a part of their life or their experience. And it doesn't make any difference how many times you sing about the cross. Sometimes it's hard for people to imagine that he's up there paying for my sins. And that my sin is not any worse than anybody else's sin. Sin is sin, right? And the Bible says all of us have what? Sinned and done what? Fallen short of the glory of God. You know what, I, you know what the Hebrew means? The word, Hebrew word for all means? All. <laughs> Everybody. All we like sheep have gone astray. All we. We all have turned to our own way. So maybe it was shame that kept him coming back to the same spot, stuck in a box, stuck in a box, not being able to see himself beyond where he was, not being able to see himself, uh, whether you're in a big box like Zacchaeus or a little box like Bartimaeus, doesn't make any difference. Just stuck. I'm telling you, I see people stuck all the time for whatever reason. And Bartimaeus was stuck. There's no, no question about it. And I know that there were people who kept him that way because when he tried to break out, what did they say? Shut up. Be quiet. Even Jesus' disciples. Sometimes it can be mean. I don't know if you know that. Y'all haven't known any mean church people? Y'all don't have any in Glenville. But let me, if you, ever, if you ever want to meet a mean church person, just call me on the telephone and I'll introduce you to some. Because we can be mean sometimes. I heard that, amen. Thank you. And if we are friends of God, and God doesn't mind who He's friends with, then we've got a problem if we can't be friends with people who, who, uh, who God loves, but we may have a hard time loving. So we better think about that. So anyway, Bartimaeus, y'all, y'all everybody doing okay? Because we're fixing to go somewhere in just a second, hopefully. We're going to get, hopefully we're going to get out of the box in just a few minutes. And it doesn't take much except a word from Jesus. And when we are willing to step out, he's ready to meet us. So here he is. He's in the box. He's in a rut. You can call it whatever you want to call it, but he can't seem to get out. He can't seem to find a way to get out. And uh, he came out there to the side of the road that day, just like every other day. 
spread his cloak out. And he could hear real good because sometimes whenever you're missing a, um, one of your senses, the other ones uh, kind of pick up for it. And his hearing was really good. He could hear real well. So he heard a crowd coming out of Jericho. They were walking down the road. He heard it, shuffling on the road, people coming. And um, he was listening because he had heard about Jesus passing by that way. Almost like um, Zacchaeus, he had heard about it. So he gets out there on the side of the road. He's in his box. And he decides that this is the moment that I am not going to let pass me by. See, this is the thing. There are times when God will come near to us, that God will come by us, but for whatever reason, we don't see it. We don't pick up on it. And he was blind. He was blind, but he could hear. But sometimes those of us who can see are a lot worse off than this man who was blind because we don't see when God's passing by and we let the opportunity pass us right by when if we would seize the moment and let God do with us what He chooses, we would discover that God's purpose and plan for our life is so much bigger than anything we could have ever fathomed or imagined. Our, our grandson Grady, you know, last year, no, a couple of years ago, he was over at our house, and where we were living at, we have a, a living room, and the television set is down in the living room, and there's a banister area up at the top there where they play, they got toys and stuff like that. And so it happened to be on a Saturday, and in the fall, y'all know what happens on Saturdays in the fall around here, don't you? That's right. They have wonderful gospel concerts and stuff like that. <laughs> Now, the Georgia football game is on, right? And so I think Georgia was playing uh, Florida. It was a Georgia-Florida weekend. So the television was on downstairs, and Grady had come over, and Cindy had to go to the store. She said, I'm going to leave Grady with you, and, and I'll be back in a little bit. And I said, okay. So we went upstairs to the area and was playing upstairs, and um, the television set was on, and I'm playing with him with the stuff, and this is, this is me right here looking through the banisters down to see what's happening down there and I would go back and he was building something and I was helping him and then I'd go back and I was watching and and then all of a sudden I completely forgot about him completely forgot about him and my attention was riveted on that game right there I was watching with all my heart all of a sudden I'm looking at this and I felt two little hands on my face like this and he turned my face and he said, Poppy, look at me. Poppy, look at me. Sometimes God has to do that with us. And, you know, this is what happened here. God wanted the attention of Bartimaeus, even though he couldn't see, he was blind. But God arrested his attention because he could hear Jesus coming. And he was not going to let that moment pass him by. He was not. It was going to require something on his part to get out of the box, just like it always does for you. And I know that some of you in the room here tonight, you may say, well, I'm, you know what, I'm perfectly fine in my box. My box is big enough to hold me and, and uh, mama and, and whoever. But what if God wanted to do something different in your life and with your life? What if, God, what if God wanted to do something with you in such a... You know what? After this is all over with, the last verse of that passage that we read, you go back and read it yourself. Because after Jesus did for him what he did, he didn't... You know what he did? He said he 
followed him on the way. He did what God wanted him to do. The Lord got him out of the box that he was in, and he wasn't content just to go back to the way that life was for him. That's a real, real testimony that God's purpose for us is something beyond whatever box we may feel ourselves in. Sometimes people put us in a box, and I realize that. But God doesn't put us in a box. He wants to break us out. He wants to kick the box over. He wants to call us out, out of the things that really has captivated us or kept us and held us captive for whatever reason that we feel like we are held fast, bound by whatever's going on in our life. So what about you? I don't think I'm going to preach long tonight. I think, I think God may be already speaking to some of you because some of us in here already know uh, that, that what box you have. I mean, where you stuck. I mean, I think some of us already know that. And that God's purpose and intent and plan is to break you out tonight. He's always breaking people out. He broke Paul and Silas out of jail. He broke Jesus out of the tomb. Broke Lazarus out of the tomb. I'm telling you, God is a, a jailbreaker. Can somebody say amen? He's a jailbreaker. And some of you who feel caught and unable to escape, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something that's holding you captive and you don't seem to be able to find the power to get out of where you are. Guess what? Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free. He also said, I've come to give you a box to fit in. Did he say it? No, he didn't say that, did he? He said, I have come that you might have an abundant life. That means more than just a little bit. He's come to give us life. He's come to give us life outside of the box that either we or somebody else has put us in. And the moment that Bartimaeus has an opportunity to respond, he hears Jesus, he cries out to Jesus and says, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And all of those who contributed to helping build the box for him tried to keep his mouth shut and silence him in that moment. Just like sometimes I've seen it in churches, I've seen it in meetings where people think, oh my God, if I, if I go forward or if I make a decision here, then I've got to deal with, with this person or that person or whatever. Listen, why in the world would anybody want to, why would you want to let somebody keep you from the life that Christ has promised us if we will just step out of the boat, step out of the box, take a step in His direction? Why would you want to stay where you are? Why would you want your marriage to stay where it is? If it's not what you want, then you know who has the power to change it? You do. With the help of God. If it's not what you want, you have the ability to make a choice and a decision to say, God, I hear you. I hear you. And I can't do this on my own. But I hear you. I hear you tonight, God, calling me and my wife, my husband, out of the box that we seem to be stuck in, out of the situation and circumstance. Maybe you did it for yourself, or maybe you, whatever, I don't know. What about your church? 
Man, this is a, I mean, I'm serious when I tell you this. this I, I, last night and tonight, I feel the presence of God in this place. I really do. And I know what it's like to be in a church where you feel the presence of God. Can I get an amen from the Baxley folks? I've seen the hand of God move on a congregation of people, not just in Baxley, but in other places too. I've seen the power of God come down when people are willing to humble themselves and let pride stay in the box while you step out. I've seen the glory of God come down upon a group of people, not just church. I'm talking about the true presence of God stepping down into a meeting and touching people's lives in such a way that not only does it heal them physically, but heals their marriage, their home, the brokenness, the sin. I see Calvin Mars right there. I remember the night that, I remember when you came and gave your life to Jesus in front of the altar. You remember that? We have an awesome God. And nothing is too difficult for Him. Nothing. Nothing is too difficult for Him. I've seen people that were written off by the church, written off by others, just like Bartimaeus. And Jesus comes along. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I didn't grow up in the church. I never went to church until I was 19 years old when I walked up onto the steps of Garden City Methodist Church and encountered uh, Miss Estelle Tuttle, a saint of God, if ever there was one, standing on the steps of the church. And I was so stuck in the box in my life, so stuck in sin and so stuck in drugs and everything else that I couldn't, I couldn't see straight. I, could, I couldn't imagine my life. The only reason I was there is because my wife's mother hounded us to death about going to church. And I'd never gone to church because everybody in the church, in my opinion, at that time, not now, that time were hypocrites. And so I didn't want to go. But I went to get my mother-in-law off my back. But what I didn't know is that when I was stuck in that box, that day, Jesus was walking by Garden City Methodist Church, and I had no idea. I, had no, I didn't even know that what Jesus was doing was setting me up for an opportunity to find Him in a way that I would be saved and delivered and changed. So I come up on the steps of the church. Miss Estelle Tuttle is standing there. This is a woman in her... Uh, 80s, late 70s, early 80s. And I'm thinking in that moment with my long hair and my t-shirt and my blue jeans and my flip-flops. I wish I'd have heard that song about Jesus wearing sandals way back then. That would have been all right. I was trying to prove something because I was stuck. And I didn't, I couldn't get out. I didn't know how to get out. I, I was so stuck in the place where I was at. So I come up on the steps and I'm telling you as God is my witness, when she put her arms around me and hugged me, something broke inside of me that melted my heart and changed my life forever. Listen to me, old saints of God. You've got a work to do in the day in which we live because young people don't have a clue about what it means to encounter a living God. They don't. But you do because you've been around the church long enough. And you have an opportunity 
not to judge them, but to love them into the kingdom of God. Because Miss Estelle Tuttle could have judged me. She could have stood on the steps of the church and judged me, just like Jesus could have judged Bartimaeus and the disciples tried to. She could have stood on the steps of the church when I walked up with holy blue jeans and a t-shirt on and long hair, and I knew where I had come from the night before. And she could have turned me completely away from God. Completely. But when I walked up on the steps of that church and she put her arms around me, I'm telling you it was the arms of God that had reached beyond the box where I was at and loved me and pulled me out of the box that I was stuck in and had been stuck in all of my life. And all of the shame and all of the fear and all of the guilt and all of the other stuff that had just kept me in captivity and bondage was broken in a minute just like that. She put her arms around me and whispered in my ear, Oh, we are so glad you're here. We've been praying for you. Jesus loves you. And I'm telling you when she said that, something happened in my life that I can't even begin to explain. And I never fathomed in a million years that God would launch me on a trajectory where I'd have the chance to go to 30-some nations and preach the gospel. Never imagine in a million years. You never know what God has planned, do you? Because if you limit God with your mind, if you limit God with your mind, and only what you can think, you know what he said? He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways high above yours, says the Lord. God has a way of working that's beyond whatever box that either you created for yourself or that someone else has put you in. But tonight, just like Bartimaeus, I believe that perhaps there's somebody who says, I'm breaking out of this thing. I'm getting out of this thing. I hear you, Jesus. He said, come. He said, come. He was listening. And he cried out to the Lord. And the Scripture says that Jesus stood still. When you can stop God in His tracks, brother, I'm telling you, there is something powerful about that. And there is nothing that stops God quicker than the cry of a heart that is in need or broken. And there may be somebody right here tonight, and that is exactly where you are, and you know it. It may be something broken in your life, your family's life, something broken in some area. And all you have to do is just whisper His name. Now, Bartimaeus cried out because they they were a crowd that was going along with him. And he had to speak above the crowd and above the disciples that were trying to silence him. But when he cried out, I've, I've heard people just whisper the name of Jesus and the Spirit of God come upon them. Jesus. Jesus. We're coming out of the box. Before Jesus comes, the church is going to come out of the box, out of the corner, and the glory of God, I think, is going to once again rest upon us 
and we won't be afraid. But we'll be ready. We'll be ready. Father, thank you so much for your presence. I feel you right here now. I feel you here now, Lord. And I know if this congregation tonight is true like others, there's someone somewhere across these pews that in their life and in their mind, they've asked the question, is this all there is? Is this all there is to it? You put eternity in our hearts, God. You put something inside of us that makes us restless with with things that we know are just routine where we go through the motions. Tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to the heart of your people and call them out of the place where they may be stuck. Give them the courage to step out of the boat or out of the box or out of the prison or out of the chains. Just take a step in the direction where you are. For some it may just mean coming and standing in front of this altar and lifting up their hands in the presence of God and saying, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God to produce salvation in all who would believe. For some it may be a decision that they make in their heart. I'm tired of what's been going on. I'm tired of, of all that has gone wrong. I'm, I'm tired of where we are. And they may just need to grab the hand of their spouse and just say, let's go pray. We don't, it doesn't have to be this way. Something can break. Something can change. For some, it may be a, a call on their life, God, that they have just run from and resisted And they've been stuck in a place. But you want more for them. You want more from them. Whatever it is, God. You are so incredible and so awesome, God, that there is no limit, no limit to who you are and what you can do. There's there's nothing is impossible to them that believe. You said that, Lord. Would y'all stand with me across this? Keep you, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Just a moment. Would you? We gonna come in just a second to this altar, but just as we stand in the presence of God, Father, like Bartimaeus, like Bartimaeus, Lord, let your people hear the voice of God, saying, "Come." You don't have to stay where you are. Just come, Lord. He threw aside. His cloak. He threw aside everything that represented that prison that he had been living in. The fear, the doubt, the anger, the unforgiveness. He threw it all aside, Lord, and he came to you and you changed his life in an instant. Tonight, God, let that happen for someone in this room. Let them feel the overwhelming joy of your love just flood their hearts, God. That you would love us that way, God, is just beyond our ability to understand. 
Move in the hearts of your people, Lord, and draw them to your altar here. Just for a moment. Let them hear the voice of God who loves them. Say, come. Come. Let them feel your arms around them. We're going to pause for a few minutes here and just wait in the presence of God. Listen, you, if you're ready to step out of the box, that's your business. But I'm telling you that God's calling you to take up. And until you do, you'll never know that overwhelming sense of freedom and joy to just move from where you are to the direction that God wants you to be. Couples, marriages, individuals. Where, this altar is open for everybody. You come, I'll be glad to pray with you. Pastor Jim will pray with you. Whatever. You, you don't need us to pray for you. God is going to minister to you if you come just for a moment. Pause in the presence of God and let Him touch you. Open your eyes. Open your heart. Open your life. And let God do a work in you. You come. Come on.